I'm Pat. And I'm Ben. Uh, and this is our podcast, Podventure Time. Ben, Welcome. why don't you fill the folks who may not have listened before in on what exactly it is we do here on this show. And we also you know, may need a refresher for some of our regular listeners, which I'm confident exist by episode five. Yeah. If you haven't been here, where have you been? Uh, the Welcome to the show. We are uh, two friends who are talking about the show, the television show, Adventure Time. We are running a experiment of sorts. Pat is a huge fan of Adventure Time. I am a novice. I'm a noob. I have never seen the show prior to the beginning of this podcast. And what we do is we uh, we watch two episodes a week, um, and then we talk about them. And we try to analyze what's going on in the episodes. We talk about uh, where where we think the show is going, and we talk about anything else we feel like. Absolutely. And we also, uh, well, my favorite part is getting your reaction to all of the episodes. And actually, if you'll indulge me and allow us to get meta for a second here, um, I was curious as I was watching the episodes, um, how many times do you watch the episodes leading up to our recording, the show, and do you take notes? Oh, I watch them. uh, I actually do have a rule. I watch them one time. Okay. Okay. I do not allow myself to re-watch them, uh, even if I feel like I want to. I feel like that's a, uh, a, closer, uh, a closer, I suppose, uh, nod to reality. If, if I weren't in this experiment, uh, experimental state and I were just watching the show, I think I'd probably just watch them one time and keep moving yeah. through them. Uh, I think, I think uh, yeah. it probably also gives... It allows you to give a more honest um, sort of uh, immediate reaction. Yeah. Um, where so <laughs> my technique, even though I literally have seen epi- every episode at least twice, I typically watch them two or three times in preparation. Yeah. And I take extensive notes. Oh, well, that shows. That, <laughs> so that... I'm like watching episodes for like the fourth, fifth, and sixth time in order to prepare for the show, which is probably where I come up with uh, all of these theories and whatnot well then i have a question back to you does watching an episode for the sixth time diminish it for you no i honestly find something else that sort of tickles me or uh piques my interest every time and i i write something down every time that i go through it um it's not a super like complex show, you know, it's not arrested development where you need to watch it 10 times before you even start to notice all of the jokes, but there are little things, uh, whether it's in the animation or in the dialogue that I pick up on later watching, um, that I, you know, I think pretty much every time that I watch an episode, I discover something or I become conscious of something that I was not before. Ah, well, excellent. That is super interesting to know. I I have another question for you as something I was thinking about as I was watching this week's episodes. Um, because, and you brought it up just now. The, the fact that these shows are not complicated and uh, by design and they are, they're, not, they're not cartoons that were meant to have only an adult audience. They're, it's not Futurama. It's not, uh, it's not The Simpsons necessarily. 
Right. And I wondered, I know you're fans of those shows as well, but what is it about, was there something going on in your life or was there something <laughs> that happened that made you say, I'm going to just dive headfirst into this kid's show? So I was vaguely aware of it. Like I recognized Finn and Jake as characters. And I think that I had probably seen like a post on Facebook that I didn't click through to that praised the show or something. All right. Um, and, and so I just sort of got curious about it. And then uh, when I watched it for the first time, um, you know, I don't honestly remember what the first time that I watched it was like very much because I, I did kind of just dive right in. Yeah. Um, did you watch one and, one and then, and just go for it? Or did you watch one and then stop? Or did you watch like, do you think you watched maybe like six at once? Uh, I didn't watch six at once because the first time that I watched it, I think was, you know, after I had one, maybe two episodes on the DVR, uh, we had a DVR back then. And so um, I was limited to what, you know, I just set the DVR to record Adventure Time anytime it came on. So I sure. was limited to whatever uh, I had pulled down off of the uh, cable broadcast. And um, so I definitely didn't binge. Although sometimes, you know, if, if Cartoon Network ran like a mini marathon or something, I could have a lot of episodes to watch. All right. Although those are frequently reruns. And so that it was likely to uh, uh, to have been a an episode that I'd already seen. Got it. So you were lim- so, you were limited by the memory space on your DVR, which was already mostly episodes of Law and Order. I'm sure. <laughs> right, right. I had to delete uh, so many of my favorite Jack McCoy moments just to uh, have enough space for my favorite cartoon. Great. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, awesome. I was uh, I was just interested because I I know we talked last time that you had jump- jumped in. Uh, in season three or something like that. And yeah, so this I think is... it was four. Okay. Um, but it, it was not a, a deep dive. Like uh, it was actually uh, to talk again about something that we just, that I just brought up um, arrested development. Mm. I bought that series or at maybe seasons one and two, I think on DVD uh, in 2006 or so. And I I like discovered what it was to binge watch a television show because that right. had never been available before. And right. I remember sitting like in in my living room in my first uh apartment in St. Louis and con- and just over and over again telling myself, "Okay, one more. Okay, one more." And fully recognizing what I was doing and then all of a sudden it was like midnight. Oh yeah, I watched 6 episodes. Oh, well, and Arrested um, Development is is a show designed for binge watching. They have so many yeah. so many jokes that lead up to other jokes that uh yep. cross episodes that it's just it's perfect. Yeah, and and it was the first television show that I had bought on DVD, so uh, it was the first time that I even could do that if I had wanted to, and it was like a magical new superpower. Yeah, which it's like something that we just take for granted now. Everybody's like, "Oh, what are you binging on?" Uh, but the fact that I could just watch this television show on demand back to back as much as I wanted uh, <laughs> was incredibly exciting. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and uh, do a mini binge. Let's binge on the next two episodes of Adventure Time. Yeah. So we're talking about episodes seven and eight from season one today. Uh, let's jump right into episode seven, which is a callback to a character I brought up in our very first episode. I don't remember whether you guessed that he was a character or not, but this is the titular episode for Ricardio, the heart guy. 
Ricardio, the heart guy, who is, if I'm not mistaken, voiced by the incomparable George Takai. He is. So I actually um, didn't realize that until, well, I thought that it was someone affecting George Takai's manner of speech, but then it was actually just tonight uh, that I paused on the credits. The credits on the show roll real fast, but I paused the credits, and it is, in fact, George Takai himself starring in this episode as Ricardio the Heart Guy. Yeah, uh, and uh, so what we have in this episode is who is Ricardio? Let's let's talk about that because that's that's actually the 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 question. That's actually the the whole plot of the episode is is who is Ricardio? Yeah. So, let- so he's he's sort of this. Uh, and again, you know, this sort of like a, a classic archetypal villain. He's one of these interloper villains who comes in and everyone loves him except for the one character that we are supposed to identify with uh, who's suspicious and thinks that that he is evil and everyone insists that Ricardio is in fact just a great guy. Um, so, yeah, why don't you uh, – we'll let you recount uh, part of the episode. And, and so how do we first uh, meet Ricardio? Uh, well, we meet Ricardio uh, after a short uh, intro battle, I would call it, in the episode. Uh, Finn and Jake are battling uh, Princess – or Bra- they're not battling Princess Bubblegum. They're battling the Ice King who has captured Princess Bubblegum. And yep. uh, it's a real short battle. It's more just to kind of get us, get us into, the, uh, into the action. Um, Finn and Jake quickly defeat the Ice King, save Princess Bubblegum. Um, and in the process, make the Ice King kiss Jake's butt, which is a, which is a nice little move on their part. Um, but then we have a celebration in honor of uh, them rescuing Princess Bubblegum back at... Uh, I always forget the names of these places. I'm going to call it Candyland Palace, but you're going to correct me yeah, and tell me what it, it's called. It's the, it's the Candy Kingdom, and I don't know if the, if the castle itself actually has a name, but right. it's the castle in, in the Candy Kingdom. And actually, it's the Candyland uh, Palace, then. That's, that's my yeah. name. Candyland Palace works. All right, um, so we're gonna go. So we're gonna head there and uh, having a party. And but when Finn and Jake arrive, there is a guest at the party that uh, that we've never met before, and it is in fact Ricardio, who is just a a heart, a living heart with arms and legs. Yes, he is, and he's, he uh, has that Ren and Stimpy um, sort of animation style where he's got you know, very detailed facial features and wrinkles and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, and something that I picked up actually on, on a later viewing of the episode, this is somewhere I didn't viewing, really... viewing 12 that you were doing, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 13 maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really notice at first that PB princess bubblegum actually says, well, I'm going to throw you a party. And so I kind of had a problem with, um, the way Finn and Jake reacted but then I realized, well, the party was supposed to be for them in the first place. Uh, so when they show up, uh, we meet Ricardio, and he is the center of attention at the party. And do you do you remember what he's doing as oh, as the uh, yeah. as Finn and Jake arrive? He is giving uh, he is giving Lumpy Space Princess uh, the massage of her lifetime. Uh, yes, and he has a special name for the type of massage he's giving, but uh, but he's essentially walking up and down on her. Back, I suppose she's just a cloud, so it's hard to call, tell what she's got. And uh, but she, he is definitely working her over, and 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 Lumpy Space Princess is digging it, and uh, everyone is is marveling at the 
massage prowess of Ricardio. Yeah, so Ricardio says this is called best friend massage Got because it. you can only do it to friends. And then in, in one of my favorite lines, uh, we get good, back to an uh, issue George that we've Chicago, talked about before. He goes, it is completely consensual. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah excellent George Takai, by the way. Well done. Oh, thanks. Um, the Yeah, so we, we, we meet Ricardio in this way, which is, uh, I think... On purpose, it's a sort of overly intimate way to meet somebody. It gives it gives you a it sort of gives you an off-putting sensation to meet someone in that way. I think so. I think that was intentional. So uh, we we meet meet the character, but then uh, he's so popular, Lumpy Space Princess. Uh, immediately upon seeing Princess Bubblegum uh, enter the party, she says, "You've got to come over and meet this guy. Uh, he's so awesome." and and that immediately sets uh, Finn especially off. He says he, he, he goes into an immediate knee-jerk uh, jealousy mode. Yeah, and actually, I'm glad that you noticed that it was LSP who um, came and grabbed Princess Bubblegum because I that was something that I didn't pick up for, until later watchings uh, was that it's goddamn LSP with her teenage ways that kind of <laughs> gets the whole plot rolling by grabbing Princess Bubblegum and dragging her over to meet Ricardio. Uh, even though he eventually completely charms her, um, it was LSP. He LSP interrupts the conversation that, that Bubblegum is having with Finn and Jake and drags her away to meet Ricardio. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there's, there's LSP just acting like she's at the weekly prom coming dance. Yeah. And, and it, it's probably fitting that LSP starts the action here because I would say that this whole episode uh, and we'll get into it. This whole episode is is essentially a uh, a uh, a it's young an after person. school special. Yeah, it's a young person's tale of how to overcome both feelings of jealousy, but also how to properly um, act around people who you may have romantic interest in. How to properly woo somebody, and how to how to give them the respect they deserve. Yes, and Finn starts off setting a terrible example. Yes. Uh, so, essentially, uh, Ricardio has now, now has the attention of, of Princess Bubblegum, and he immediately charms the heck out of her by uh, launching into some detailed science experiments that he would like to show her, knowing full well that Princess Bubblegum is, is also deep into uh, science stuff. And so, yeah, and it's some it's some excellent like gibberish science words that he uses. Yep, yep, and uh, and this uh, this sets Finn off completely. He feels inadequate. He expresses this much as much to Jake. Says, you know, I I'm never going to be able to compete with this guy. And I thought this was interesting. This is the first I've seen Finn have a um, this strong of a re- reaction to his budding romantic feelings, I suppose. He's definitely shown like being embarrassed to be kissed before, but this is a new level. This is a yeah, new Yeah, he's he's evolution. mostly just blushed in the past. Right. But now he is the 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 green uh, well, the uh, the monster of jealousy has reared its head within within Finn and he is uh he's trying to come up with some way that he can come up he can compete with Ricardio and uh and Jake suggests he do the science dance. Yes, the science dance. Which uh, is, I would call it part robot, part just spasmatic uh, floundering. Uh, right. And uh, 
So he rushes over, Finn rushes over in front of Princess Bubblegum and Riccardio in an attempt uh, like a like a crazed, I don't know, hummingbird or something trying to do <laughs> a mating dance. He just starts flailing in front of her saying, I think just saying science dance over and over again. I can't remember yep, exactly. He's, he's chanting. So Finn and Jake like to chant things and, and Finn does indeed begin chanting science dance, science yeah, dance. Yeah, uh, which is is as off-putting as it sounds, and it uh, it does not have the intended effect of, of wooing Princess Bubblegum. Um, and she then leaves with her cardio. Now, I'm, not, I'm forgetting the, the exact progression of events here. Yeah, so, well, so Finn has kind of a blow-up because um, he he's utterly incapable of even understanding, let alone containing his jealousy. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, actually, whether this has something to do with him being the only human alive. Uh, so that he's never really had a chance to develop social skills. Right. But in any case... Okay, well, hang on um, now. So that's something I had never considered. Is that the implication here, that Finn Finn is a human and he is the only human? So, yes. uh, I think it's important that they call him Finn the human boy. Um, And, you know, so far we've seen him interact with Ice King, who is at least humanoid. Princess Bubblegum uh, appears human... But everyone else in the Candy Kingdom is is made of candy, uh, and I think it's safe to assume at this point that so is Princess Bubblegum, at least in some way. Right. Uh, and and so yes, uh, it's and and actually one thing that I noticed about an earlier episode is when those gnomes are blowing up old ladies, they appear to be human old ladies. But then I think that they were probably just illusions in the first place. They so, turn out to be. Uh, I have. Yeah. Yeah, I have good reason to believe that Finn actually is the only human, or at least, you know, no one uh, has seen another human in a long time. Okay. Very interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I guess I always... I'm, I'm willing to accept that, I suppose. I I kind of always assumed that in some way this world is like the dream of Finn. Like Finn exists ah. in some other reality that he is just a normal human boy. And these are sort of dream states that he enters, or is some, or in some other way is able to pass through. It, it's either a Narnia-like situation or their pure dream state. Interesting. And, Put a pin in that. We'll come back to that. I promise. All right. Fair. Fair. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so Finn's unable to contain his jealousy, and he he ends up, uh, it, and and so almost immediately, I think Jake just straight up calls him out on it. You're experiencing jealousy. You need to learn how to deal with this emotion. And then PB also calls him out on it uh, after he says, hey, hey, princess, do you want to spend some time with me? And she goes, you know, dude, you're being, you're you're just jealous. And then eventually he yells, I'm not jealous. I'm just weird. And it's one of those (laughs) moments where, you know, his voice shuts down the entire party. And that's when uh, Princess Bubblegum and Riccardio have to leave so that they can continue discussing their important scientific discoveries. All right, exactly. Well, so, and then at this point, uh, Finn has just, he's got a bad taste in in his mouth with regards to this uh, Riccardio character. And he he immediately starts assuming that Riccardio is up to no good. He has to be a villain because uh, I think maybe in his experience... The only people who have ever taken Princess Bubblegum away from him are villains. Yeah, interesting. Now, Finn claims it's because of the way that Riccardio looks, and Jake kind of agrees. He says, well, maybe he was just cursed to look suspicious. Yeah, 
And, and I think this is, uh, this is one of the major points of this episode, one of the major themes is in continuation of, I think, what we talked about in previous episodes is that Finn has to learn how to distinguish true evil when, from, from just things he doesn't like. And he can't, right. he can't just attack yeah. every problem like it's true evil. He has to uh, be a, a true hero. It has to be able to discern real danger from false danger. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, in an effort to help him do that, Jake uh, assists him with surveilling Princess Bubblegum and Ricardio. Right. And uh, what do we learn? Well, we see Ricardio in a back alley with the Ice King. And they're having a argument of some sort. And you can't hear the dialogue. You can't hear the dialogue, but it ends with Ricardio picking up the Ice King beating him up and picking him up and tossing the Ice King in a dumpster. Yes. So And so that causes Jake to believe that Ricardio is good, but Finn's still not buying it. Right, yeah. All the signs are pointing to uh, Ricardio being, a, if, if not a weird-looking guy, someone who is willing to beat up the Ice King, so that's got to be worth something. So, uh, yeah, at this point, things aren't looking good for Finn's side of the story, and I think that that's... Uh, that's something that you have to go along with as the audience. You've got to decide: are you going to are you going to believe Finn this time, or are you going to believe you going to believe Jake? Yeah, the, each of them declares that their gut is telling them that Ricardio is either a villain or or a good guy. And uh, uh, once Jake sees him beat up the Ice King, he thanks his gut and says, "You know, we're 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 going to be together forever, you and me." Yeah, and that's that's great. I think I think uh, a recognition of one's one's gut instinct is is. Is something that we should all do at some point. We should all thank our guts. Uh, yeah. So, well, you know, and in classic, I think, Finn and Jake style, to solve this problem, they hit it head on. There's no subtlety about it. They decide, we're just going to go ask him if you are evil right. or not. We should add that another thing that they see him doing is he is in the dumpster breaking bottles and pretending to stab people, and he has a rope. And so Finn says, I think literally, he's he's breaking bottles and pretending to stab people, and Jake goes, so he's recycling? Right. So <laughs> we see him doing something that Finn definitely perceives as suspicious, but Jake makes an excuse for him uh, because he believes, you know, his gut tells him that he's good. So then they go to just go ahead and confront Ricardio and and. Ask him point blank, are you a villain or are you a good guy? Right. And, uh, and what we find out at that point, I'm, I'm going to blank. I'm blanking about what Ricardio tells us at that point. So uh, essentially Finn yells at him that he's evil and, and Jake says, you know, are, are you good? And uh, they do the, the, I really like the, oh yeah, yeah gag. And they do that for a minute. And then, uh, uh, Ricardio announces that his plot is too far along and Finn and Jake can't stop him now. So he doesn't explicitly say what he's going to do or say, you know, you're right, I'm a villain. But he he mentions that he's got this plan and you might as well give up on trying to stop him because he's so far along. Right. And that is when uh, Finn starts to beat up Ricardio. Yeah, it's, it just Finn can't take it anymore and he punches Ricardio. And... At that moment, Princess Bubblegum walks around the corner. And exactly. And this is like a classic plot device in one of these what I'll call interloper villain stories where, um, you know, no one believes Finn. And so he, 
eventually has to take action and then it's witnessed by someone that he cares about who still believes that uh, the person is is not a villain. And so then that's where conflict comes in because Bubblegum's like, you know, why are you punching Ricardio? You can't punch Brainiacs. They're they're too fragile. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, we have to assume that maybe this whole tableau was was constructed ahead of time by Ricardio. Maybe he invited Princess Bubblegum over and she he uh he wanted Finn to punch her. Uh if wanted Finn to punch him rather. Yes, and, absolutely. And this is this is something that I've seen happen uh recently in uh in a in a Netflix show. If you've watched the House of Cards uh show on Netflix. Uh, uh Jackie has I have not. Alright, so uh that is a it is a uh a a plot or a a, a, a a plan that is uh, that is enacted by Kevin Spacey's character, uh, where he he gets a, a a rival to punch him in the face, and then that <laughs> makes uh, that makes then the rival the villain because exactly uh, in the you know then everyone's the visual of that violence is much more than is much greater than any sort of uh, you know any sort of villainry that uh, Kevin Spacey's character might be involved in. Right, and so from what I understand about Kevin Spacey's character, he is quite villainous, uh, and so him acting like Ricardio probably, or Ricardio acting like him, probably tells us something. So after Princess Bubblegum walks up and uh, confronts Finn about punching Ricardio, where do we go next? Uh, then we we go to, is it just the alley? I'm, they meet the Ice King somewhere and now i'm forgetting right. where so princess bubblegum and ricardio walk off because they're going to talk about science some more right and then ice king comes crawling out of the alley he's yeah. very weak yes uh he's pale he's got rings around his, his his eyes bags under his eyes uh and he gives us quite a bit of exposition but explains ricardio's origins yeah it's a ricardio origin story it is essentially uh in a nutshell the ice king was trying uh to conduct a spell after being beaten by Finn and Jake earlier in the episode, he tries to conduct a spell that will um, essentially make princess bubblegum fall in love with him. I believe some sort of love. Right. He's going to charm her heart somehow. So yeah. that she'll love him, charm her heart, but he screws it up and ends up uh, basically releasing his own heart and his own heart which is already filled with the desire to, um, to you know, love Princess Bubblegum. Now he's released his heart, and that heart is Ricardio. So we find yes. out that Ricardio is the Ice King's actual heart. Right. Ricardio is the actual heart of the Ice King made into a sentient being. And right. his, new, his mission from the second that he gained sentience is to uh, remove Princess Bubblegum's heart from her body so that he can uh, make out with it and then eventually like, get married. And Marry I think he it. envisions a, a, a long and happy future with Princess Bubblegum's heart after yeah. being able to well, rip her chest. Yeah, the Ice King wants to and always always has marriage as his ultimate goal. The Ice King is yes. never is not about just a, a short-term relationship. Ice King wants marriage, and therefore his heart wants marriage. But the heart wants to marry uh, Ricardio. That is, wants to, like you said, he wants to marry another heart. So he has right. he, his goal is to remove Princess Bubblegum's heart and marry that. Yes. So, so we, we learn this from the Ice King, and so Finn and Jake rush to... Candyland Palace or whatever you called it. Yeah, it's Candyland um, Palace. I think that's going to stick. 
everyone okay. everyone who's listening, you know, help it spread. Candyland Palace. So so they, they rush to Candyland Palace and they discover uh, Ricardio has hatched his plot. He's tied Princess Bubblegum to her throne and he's threatening her with the broken bottle that we saw earlier. Right. Uh, and he's going to use the broken bottle to cut out her heart, essentially. Yeah, it's it's a actually really violent imagery when yeah, it comes down to it. That's right. Uh, but uh, but Finn and Jake rush in, and they are uh, uh, they a battle ensues, and uh, for a while, I'm trying to think how long that battle was. It it didn't seem that difficult to to, to subdue yeah, it's Ricardio. A, it's a pretty short fight. I think yeah. Jake strikes the first blow on Ricardio, but then Finn's really beating him up when the Ice King crawls in. Yes. So I mean the. The, the conflict mostly is over. Like, Finn is beating up Ricardio. He still can't control his jealousy, so I think he's a little extra going aggression. to yeah. probably beat Ricardio to death. <laughs> right, and, um, and, the, and the Ice King begs him to stop. The Ice King says, right. hang on, that's, actually, that's my heart, remember? Right. Uh, and so f- he does get Finn to stop, and the Ice King grabs Ricardio and is able to uh, reverse... Uh, absorb or just re- re- reabsorb uh, his heart. Yeah, it's it's kind of like is it T one thousand the one that's liquid metal? He sort of sort of just uh, just envelops Ricardio and gets his heart back. That's right. He uh, he just shoves Ricardio right back in this chest cavity and and regains his strength in doing so. The Ice King is restored. Right, and I I think I think it's really funny that as Ricardio is being sucked into the Ice King's chest, he looks at Finn and Jake and goes. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> a fantastic final word. Right. Uh, yeah, so then the Ice King is is reinvigorated, uh, and of course he tries to, he decides that, well, because he's uh, saved Princess Bubblegum, now they surely will get married, but Finn dispels him of that notion by kicking him in the face, so Ice King flees. Yeah, and uh, and then and then we get a reconciliation between Princess Bubblegum and Finn. Princess Bubblegum apologizes for not having recognized the villain for who he was, uh, and Finn uh, Finn accepts the apology, and uh, and we have a happy. She kind of scolds him. She scolds him a little bit for his jealousy, and he still insists that he doesn't get jealous. Ah, right. So I think that that we should talk about this a little bit because I think that's we we should get to the the thesis of the episode here. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I think we had a, like I said earlier, this is a pretty standard adolescent love story, um, adolescent jealousy love story, to be to be accurate there. Um, yep. it, it's this is a growth story for Finn. He is uh, he's learning to handle all kinds of emotions now. Yeah, I, it it appears to be the first time that he's ever experienced jealousy, so that he can't even recognize what he's feeling. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But, um, Let alone control his emotions. But through the help of his his friend Jake and uh, and through some cathartic uh, butt kicking, he's able to kind of overcome it. I mean, in the end, it, his jealousy was was well founded, uh, or his his uh, suspicions were well founded at least. So uh, that that part kind of he gets off the hook on. But you're right; he does get scolded. He does get scolded for being for the extreme jealousy. Yeah, and and Jake is is more or less pointing this out to him throughout the entire episode. Um, uh, one thing that that I noticed that I really liked is as Jake is sort of trying to convince Finn 
that, you know, this is jealousy, you need to recognize it, and you need to uh, stop acting on it. Jake all of a sudden starts to talk like a grown-up. He uses, (laughs) as he is surveilling uh, Riccardio and and Princess Bubblegum, he injects he he makes up his own dialogue for them and he he has ricardio tell princess bubblegum that she looks like a big pink baguette yes um, uh, and, and then does he, not like that one bit yeah and there's a point in the party um where jake is dragging finn away i think after he's embarrassed himself and jake says something like come on man you got to come fight these peanut monsters at the bar with me and it really struck me that a bar with peanuts is a grown-up bar Right. Yeah, that is a that is a allegory to come on, let's go have a drink. Right. And uh and you know, that's one of those little like messages to the grown-ups, I think. You know, a kid isn't going to pick up on that. Uh but any grown-ups like, "Oh, okay, you're going to get peanuts at the bar. Like, let's let's talk about jealousy over a uh over a a uh, you know, a jack on the rocks or something." Sure. Yeah, I hadn't picked that up. I like that. I I didn't I didn't pick that up, and you know, maybe that's something you pick up, like you said. Yeah, well, that's around. what you get when you watch the episode twenty times. Yeah, um, I like that we're getting thing. to the real number here. I know it's somewhere north of fifty at this point. <laughs> we'll just keep going up until we reach it, and then maybe I'll, you know, find find the number and plateau. At some All right. Point. Okay. Uh, the so, other great line that I want to mention from from Jake is is just two words, but Finn says something like, "This is life and death we're talking about," and Jake just goes, "Is it?" <laughs> it's uh, uh so, those are some solid so, yeah. lines. Yeah, so Jake is is really behaving like the grown up here and and so for that matter is Princess Bubblegum. She explicitly calls out Finn for being jealous. It, you know, this show is is rarely subtle with the themes or lessons that it's trying to convey. So if yeah. the episode's about jealousy, and I find that very charming about the show. It's one of the things that really drew me in, yep. uh, is its earnestness and its willingness to just tell you kind of, this is what this episode is about. It's about jealousy. So we're going to hear Finn, or not Finn, we're going to hear Jake and Princess Bubblegum harp on that throughout the episode. That's fair. That's a, that's definitely true. I uh, This was one of the episodes where Jake feels particularly young. Uh it's called, he feels like a child in this one. And Finn, Finn feels young. Excuse me, Finn, yes. Finn yeah. feels uh, particularly like a child in this episode. Yeah, and Jake feels particularly like an adult, I think. Which well. doesn't always happen. Some, they usually are on, they're usually on par with each other. They're right. usually at the same level. They don't always take a uh, parent-child relationship. Yeah, they're out, you know, sledding on office chairs and stuff and just having a good time is mostly what they're concerned about. But every once in a while, Jake has to step in and teach Finn a lesson. So, um, there are a couple of things that I'm wondering about this episode. Um, first of all, what did you make of Ice King crawling out of the alley and then sort of kind of joining Team Finn and Jake by ratting out Ricardio? So, I didn't I didn't think too much of it because this happens a lot where in comic books and things like that where often every once in a while uh you have to you know a villain will join forces with a hero in order to face a greater villain. I can okay. think I can think of, you know, Magneto fighting alongside the X-Men for sure, example. Sure. In in the face of someone like Apocalypse. 
And yeah. so, so I guess I didn't, it wasn't like a novel concept for sure. Yeah. But, um, uh, but do, for, do you feel like Ice King redeemed himself at all? I, Ice King without a heart, Ice King in his weakened form is a pitiful character. I don't know if he mm-hmm. redeemed himself. He definitely was worth pity. I don't know if mm-hmm. he was worth any respect though. I'm going to get, sure. I'm going to give him pity and not respect. Yeah. And then he kind of proves you right because as soon as he has his heart back, he turns right back into the raving sort of, you know, marriage crazed lunatic that he's always been. Right. Um, but it does give us a lot of insight into um, Ice King as a character. Ice King is essentially driven by a uh, unrequited love that has been morphed into sort of a madman's craze. Uh, and. In some ways, uh, maybe we should be instead of uh, maybe we should be pitying the Ice King more than we should be thinking of him as a, uh, a you know a super evil. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that he, as much as Finn can't control his jealousy, I think that Ice King can't control his urge to kidnap princesses so that he can have a wife. He just wants some love. Yeah. Right. And to the extent that, you know, it's really not his agency that's causing him to do all these bad things, I do think that uh, we can give him a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Finn doesn't know it yet, but his his uh, his feelings for Princess Bubblegum drew, drove him to do some crazy things in this episode. Yes, absolutely. So we have uh, George Takai teaching uh, Finn a lesson about jealousy in episode seven, Ricardio the Heart Guy. And then we get to episode eight, which is called Business Time. And so uh, why don't you describe the opening scene of Business Time for us? Uh, business Time. I I really like this episode. Uh, Me too. Yeah. The, uh, the opening scene is Finn and Jake uh, melting chunks of ice on the beach. Uh, with flamethrowers. With flamethrowers, indeed. Um, and finding the loot inside, implying that all icebergs are filled with loot, which I thought was just a, a, a I thought that was great. Um, right. And all, all that Jake can find, though, is baby shoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's right. Baby shoes. Excuse me. Uh, Jake's are all filled with baby shoes. He's got a pile of baby shoes. Only lefties, he says. Um, <laughs> and uh, but but Finn is finding things like bikes and and other cool things inside of his ice icebergs that he's melting. Yeah, and they're all things that don't that we haven't really seen existing in ooh so far. They're very earthly objects. You know, baby shoes and bicycles are things that we have on our world. Yeah, uh, and so it's a little uh, incongruous to see them show up in ooh. All right, um, but eventually a another iceberg uh, floats up, and uh, what do we find in this iceberg? Inside this iceberg are frozen. Guys, uh, humanoid. Uh, since since we're gonna since we've established that J- Finn may be the only human, we're gonna call them humanoids. We're not sure if these sure. people are human. Um, Zombies, but they're zombie-looking guys. They're they're frozen guys in business suits. Uh, and yep. and so uh, Jake calls dibs on this iceberg because he's sick and tired of getting just baby shoes, and mm-hmm. uh, and he melts the iceberg and reveals uh, reveals these guys and. Uh, the Finn and Jake take a look at them. They kind of inspect, think for a while. You know what? Maybe these guys didn't survive being frozen, uh, which would be a logical conclusion. Um, so they start kind of reaching for things that their the businessmen are holding, uh, like a briefcase. But all of a sudden, they come to life and uh, they grab Finn by the face, which freaks him out. 
but um, but they just they're very confused businessmen at first. They are frozen zombie businessmen, and they they speak in uh, speak as such, speak like zombies in that stilted uh, zombie voice, and yes. tell they try to communicate to Finn and Jake that they don't remember uh, where they are from or who they were before. All they know is that they love business. Right. They are, we are businessmen. I think they straight up just say that. Right. Um, and, and then they say, uh, we, we can work for you or something to that effect. Basically, they, they offer their services to Finn and Jake. Right. Uh, and so then uh, Finn and Jake have different reactions to this offer. Um, Finn, yes, Finn is, uh, is not on board. He does not want to hire. He does not want the businessmen essentially uh, ho- horning in on his and Jake's fun. Right. And so what they're working on at this moment is a uh, dock gauntlet or a gauntlet dock, um, a dock that's also a gauntlet. Uh, and, and Finn kind of says, no, nah, man, this is our thing. We're building the gauntlet dock. And, and Jake says, you know, come on, why don't we see if the businessmen can do it? And then we can just kind of hang out. And I think he says, you know, we can spend time thinking about fun stuff. Right. Jake has been c- complaining uh, this whole episode to this point that uh, that all these things that they're doing is is no fun. He's he's not finding anything cool in the icebergs. It's also hard work. He's really been uh, saying none of this is fun. So when he sees an opportunity to have these businessmen uh, build the gauntlet dock for him, he says this is let's he, he leaps at the opportunity and convinces. Yeah, actually, Finn, I actually have the quote written down. It's, okay, it's, they'll be back in business, and we can just think about fun stuff. That's right. Uh, so they, uh, Finn decides, okay, fine. It's worth a try. Let's give it a shot. And so they, they go for it and hire the businessmen and the businessmen are elated. Um, yes, they, they appear to work solely for the gratification of doing work. Uh, there's, there's no payment that's ever discussed. Right, right. Just for the, just the sheer fact of having a job is, is payment enough. Conducting so business. They are, they can, they quickly create the coolest gauntlet dock one could ever imagine. Uh, yeah, it's the best gauntlet dock I've ever seen. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it is something, uh, it's a work of, work of art. Uh, so we, we, we learn two things about the businessmen. One, they work incredibly fast. And two, they are incredibly good at their jobs. And apparently, whatever their job is, they're incredibly good at, no matter what, yes. what job happens and, to come their and way. And they, they note at, at one point, that he the, the the leader of the of the businessmen says oh something like you know that that dock could be more efficient right uh, and, and that seems to be their if if the if the sole joy of working isn't their motivation making things more efficient uh which is completely like a businessman thing you yeah. know it's it's a buzzword i think in business and it's like the whole goal of uh, a lot of people in businesses to make things run efficiently. So these businessmen are just ready to take on whatever challenge comes their way to make Finn and Jake's life uh, and the, the goals that they want to accomplish. They want to help them accomplish them with greater efficiency. Right. Uh, so uh, Finn and Jake are thrilled with the results. Uh, I think Jake, especially since it was sort of his idea, but mm-hmm. uh but they run through this gauntlet dock. It's awesome. Uh, and they decide then, you know, we should hire these guys full time. Let's hire them to help us uh, be adventurers, essentially. Right. So they all head back to Finn and Jake's treehouse 
where uh, Finn and Jake are able to just simply lounge around playing video games while the businessmen take care of all of those uh, pesky little items that adventurers usually have to go through, like uh, like sharpening your sword or cleaning your boots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so yeah. they're they're sitting around the uh, the treehouse, and all of a sudden they hear plaintive wails from Hot Dog Princess, who needs help. Hot Dog Princess, who I don't know that we've met before, but I, I liked as a as a princess character. She uh, she was in Ice King's jail with, oh, okay. the, with the other princesses, but you know, very small part. And uh, it's it's I think worth noting here that uh, Hot Dog Princess, along with uh, many more characters, uh, is voiced by the wonderful Maria Bamford. Oh, interesting. And uh, and we should note the businessmen are voiced by Brian Posen, I believe? Yeah, Posen. Posen. Um, and in fact, that was another one where, just like with Riccardo and George Sakai, I wasn't quite sure if it was just someone who sounded like him, but I looked at the credits and it is indeed uh, Brian Posen who is voicing the businessman. Right. Uh, so... Uh, we hot dog princess is in trouble. She's be, he's being attra- she is being attacked by floating cubes of battle cubes. I battle think. cubes, sure. And uh, so there, Finn and Jake said, "Oh, we better rush off to save them." But let's go grab our. And before they can even finish their thought, the businessmen have already packed an adventure pack for them, complete with with weapons and everything. And uh, and this is amazing. This is fantastic. Uh, Finn and Jake are super happy to have the extra help. And they yeah, go his back. adventure pack is just ready to go, so he can rush off to save. That's Hot right. Dog Princess. It's exactly it's exactly the way this relationship should work. Um, so they do rush off with the businessmen hot on their heels, uh, tabulating and calculating. We're not sure, <laughs> we're not sure what, but they are they are running the numbers. They don't they don't stop working. Right. Uh, so uh, they uh, they being Finn and, Finn and Jake start attacking the. Battle cubes, but right. but are quickly overwhelmed, and they are. Uh, it seems that they have lost. They have lost a step. If I if uh, in in the terms of like aging NFL players or aging NBA players, when they're described, yep. oh, they've lost a step. Uh, they yep. seem to be getting winded, basically. Yeah. So Finn and Jake, uh, probably as a result of having had so much help from the businessmen realize that they're not going to be able to defeat the cubes, at least not without a rest. So they, they sick the businessmen on the cubes and the businessmen are instantly armed and armored right? <laughs> and they, they rush into battle to, to fight the cubes while Finn and Jake can rest. Yeah. Uh, and they, but the businessmen are so good at their job. Not only are they going to take on the battle cubes, but they've all, they're also able to provide Finn and Jake with, uh, with water and orange slices for uh, yes. for hydration and energy. Absolutely. And so the, the businessman battle uh, with the battle cubes for a minute, uh, ultimately uh, Jake is the one who, well, Finn gets the idea, but Jake uh, grows and grabs all the battle cubes in his giant hands and smushes them together. And the, the battle cubes are defeated. Hot Dog Princess is, is free to go. She's, her day is saved. Uh, and she's leaning in to give Finn a congratulatory or, or uh, you know, gracious kiss, uh, but um, that gets sort of thwarted. <laughs> well, Finn is uh, Finn is reticent to kiss Hot Dog Princess, Princess because yeah, he seems to have a pretty solid crush on PB, but he's well, not really into Hot Dog Princess. Yeah, he he actually articulates uh, that she just smells like old hot dog water, <laughs> uh, which I wouldn't want to kiss either. Uh, so, uh, again, being a fantastic at their jobs, one of the businessmen, 
slips in between the lips of Hot Dog Princess and and Finn's cheek and takes the, takes one for the team. He says. Yes. Um, and Finn is Finn is super pleased and immediately says, uh, you know, oh, you you guy, you get a promotion. Absolutely. And, and that sends the other businessman into a frenzy, a happy frenzy. Uh, but also sort of a uh, a bootlicking frenzy, I suppose, or a, you know, a sycophantic frenzy where they all start kissing Hot Dog Princess in hopes that that will also get them promotions. Yes, we we take one for team two, and yeah. they, they start smooching Hot Dog Princess all along her uh, tubular body. Right. Uh, well, so the uh, the day has been saved um, in part thanks to Finn and Jake, but also in part to uh, the businessmen, and that's... That's a foreshadowing of what's to come. Uh, what we've seen is that Finn and Jake are are not as uh, on their game as they were a moment, you know, maybe at the beginning of the episode. So uh, they, but they, nothing's made of it. They head back to head head back to HQ, uh, where Finn and Jake continue to enjoy the freedom and ex and, and free time that that is afforded them by having the businessmen do all the hard work. Yeah, they're uh, playing video games and eating ice cream. Yeah, ice cream by the handful, uh, <laughs> like no spoon. Although Jake is able to convert his hand into a ice cream scoop because he's a magic dog, but essentially by the handful. Yes, and, and there are dozens of ice cream buckets laying around them. Yeah. Eventually, and and they eventually develop enormous guts. Uh, they mm-hmm. have become just big, big slobs. Uh, at what point? At, at which point, though? Then we have another emergency. We have a new, a new. Uh, villain or new a new problem on the on the horizon right so so in the meantime as as finn and jake have been playing video games and eating ice cream the uh businessmen appear to have constructed an elaborate sort of um surveillance uh method to track uh everything in ooh and look for problems that need adventurers to solve and so on one of their monitors we see lumpy space princess being chased by some manner of monster right uh and they look at it and they say, uh, "Hey, there's a problem, boss." To something to that effect, and and Finn and Jake take a look, and and they go, "Hey, is it a, is it a big problem?" And and the the businessmen do some calculations and they say, "It is probably not the biggest of problems." Uh, and they go, "We can just handle it." The businessmen, you don't yep. you don't even need to bother with this one, boss. Yeah. So uh, Finn and Jake remain. Yep. They are getting fatter and eating more ice cream and the businessmen go off to handle the adventuring for them. Yeah. Uh, Finn and Jake are essentially out of the adventuring business at this point. Right. And I think we know that that is probably bad. Uh, we know that Finn and Jake are adventurers at heart and if they are not adventuring, uh, something bad is going to happen. And something bad They they think they're happy though. They think they're happy just playing video games and eating ice cream. Yep. That is, that's worth noting. Um, but something bad does happen. Uh, the the businessmen return, but this time they return uh, having developed an even uh, larger technology. I'll call it. Um, mm-hmm. They've developed some sort of I'll call it like a like a sentinel safety robot kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it, it looks like a giant fin, actually. Yes, that's right. It does. It looks like a giant fin. It's a giant robot. Um, that is terrorizing a, a, a people of popcorn. I don't know who those folks were. What, who are they terrorizing? 
Yeah, they're they're just fluffy people or puffy people. I don't remember exactly what they're called. Okay. Uh, right. uh, but they're they're very cute, very innocent, very vulnerable, and the businessmen are sucking them up uh, as fast as they can into the uh, the safety sack. I think they call it. Of, yeah. Uh, their big mechanical fin. Yeah, I mean, in the I think this is uh, in the in the style of a lot of these kind of stories where. Uh, Efficiency and automation is is hailed as as the savior of all. Um, the businessmen eventually uh, come to the conclusion that the most efficient way to keep the population of U safe is to simply imprison them, so yep. that they can they know exactly where they are at all times, and they will definitely be safe in their prison. Yeah, the the uh, the businessmen actually say. Well, we sucked them up. They're safe. Their happiness is not a priority. Right. Safety is the priority, and therefore uh, uh, they have they have turned themselves into villains that now Finn and Jake have to protect because uh, they need to uh, they need to release these fluffy people from the prison, give them back their free will and agency to live life as they see fit. Uh, it is it is not Finn and Jake's goal to to imprison people in the name of safety. They are. Uh, they are just there to keep evil at bay. Absolutely. And so it, the time comes for Finn and Jake to spring into action and take down the businessmen, but they run into a problem. They are fat loads at this point. <laughs> and they have, they have no skills anymore. They are, they are too fat and too slow to be adventurers. Finn, uh, upon his first attack, is immediately sucked up as well into the safety chamber, the safety sack. And uh, and now has to have to ask Jake for help. Yeah, and, he's more or less hopelessly trapped. Yep. Um, but there is there is a solution to the problem, and uh, Finn realizes it and suggests to Jake, "Hey, uh, come on out here and but keep eating ice cream, keep getting fatter, and at the same time use your expanding powers that we've seen Jake use before." Right. Um, and so he does. The vacuum, the, the businessmen try to suck Jake up as well, um, but Jake is becoming too large to be sucked up because he is both fat and ever-expanding magically. And this, uh, this backs up the vacuum and eventually uh, destroys the robot because uh, the robot essentially uh, malfunctions and explodes. Right, so Jake can't be sucked up the tube because he's made himself too large, and so uh, the the robot explodes, and everyone is shot what appears to be miles into the sky. Right, uh, and we actually have a, a little conversation as as we're flying up and then falling back down. That's right. Uh, as they're flying up and falling back down the, with the businessmen, uh, Finn tells the businessmen that they are. F- well, he first he told them that they were fired earlier. We should have said that because that really incites the businessmen. Yes, uh, into, that's what uh, causes them to start to identify Finn and Jake as threats, I think. Right. Uh, they've fired the businessmen, and that is, that is essentially the worst thing you can do to the businessmen. Um, yeah. But while in midair, now Finn says, hey, I will rehire you guys. And Jake is incredulous. Jake says, what? But Finn seems to have a plan. Um, but, and the businessmen are, are just happy to have a job. So they, uh, they agree to the plan. They agree to being hired back. Yes, as long as they have a job, they're happy, and it turns out that Finn has given them a very clever job. His, the job that he has given them is to be frozen inside ice. 
Right. So they put them back inside an iceberg and they cast them out to sea and everything is back to normal. Um, Finn and Jake have realized that it's better to do the adventuring themselves. Uh, and in a really good gag, in my opinion, yeah. uh, Jake says, boy, I sure I'm going to miss my gut. And then he just sort of sucks it up with his magical powers. And, and <laughs> Finn responds, yeah, I'm going to miss mine too. Uh, but of course, Finn being a human, he tries real hard, but he can't get his gut to go away. He's going to have to do some, some working out if he wants to lose those extra LBs. Yep. Yep. The, the hard work has just begun for Finn. Right. Um, and and that's that's the moral of this tale. I think we have to is that Finn and Jake have to learn that. Uh, I think there's a few a few you know cliche morals. If you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. I think that applies here, but also just the value of the value of hard work and the value of doing uh, of working at a problem uh, is 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 uh, is something that is its own reward, I suppose. Yeah, I think that there definitely is a message uh, in this episode that that you need to work if you want to be good at things and and you know really contribute. Um, now, I have thoughts about this episode, <laughs> um, and we're we're getting into a we're getting into a long episode of the podcast, but I got to talk about this. Hey everybody, uh, this is Pat, and uh, I want to interject here to acknowledge the fact that you have been listening to Podventure Time for nearly an hour now, and unfortunately we're not nearly done because, uh, as I just said, I have some thoughts. Uh, so I want to say thank you for listening this far, and uh, if you're not interested in hearing my Marxist analysis of, of a cartoon, then you can go ahead and shut it off now. But before you shut it off, I want to remind you that uh, it's our good friend Will Yates who provides our theme song. It's our intro and outro music. It's called Date Night. It's from his EP, I Know the Feeling. You can check out all of this stuff at willyates.bandcamp.com. So thank you to Will. Thank you to all of you who have made it this far, and it's a special thank you to the those of you who are not scared off by my giving the game away and telling you that we're about to get Marxist up in here. So I I read this episode as a Marxist critique of capitalism. I thought you might read it that way. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you anticipated that. That's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, okay, so give me your points. All right, so... Uh, Marx more or less describes the the stages that a that a, a government or an economy can take, uh, and so first we have the businessmen. They're they're doing basically proletarian work. They're working with their hands to build uh, the dock. They are producing. They're in control of the means of production. They're producing the dock themselves. It's very proletarian. Once they succeed at that, the second job that they do is this sort of management job where they are preparing things and, and making things easier for Finn and Jake who are call, still yeah. doing the work. Administrative. So, yeah. Administrative right. So work. the, the, the businessmen have more or less become the bourgeoisie at this point. Uh, Finn and Jake are maybe still the proletariat, although they're not quite being exploited the way that the proletariat is by the bourgeoisie. But now we've got these, these bourgeois businessmen, um, and the third thing that they do is they rush and in, into war, and so there is a, a, a real idea in in Marxist or leftist or socialist thought that uh, capitalism, if if you can't turn capitalism into socialism, you're you're gonna have to go to war at some point. So step three is war, uh, but as 
happens in our society, I think, because they've gone to war, Finn and Jake see them as heroes. Um, so they've used this war as, and who knows if they're doing it consciously, but the war has had the result of, uh, it, it, it makes Finn and Jake sort of revere them and, and see them as heroes, which allows them to go back to the treehouse and build an enormous surveillance state. Um, and so the, the enormous surveillance state then allows Finn and Jake, the proletarians, to uh, essentially become worthless. Um, they are no longer needed. They can, they, they're just sitting around, eating ice cream, getting fat. Uh, and because they are, because they've been sort of, they've lost their way because of their admiration for these businessmen and their, their uh, ability at war. And so the surveillance state is created. And then uh, the businessmen go to save LSP and they come back and they are fascists, uh, which if capitalism is not going to turn into socialism, it's going to turn into fascism. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're going down that road pretty quick right now. We'll get too much into that. But um, so the businessmen come back and they are, you know, they are no longer concerned with the well-being of the people they are only concerned with maintaining efficiency or maintaining order uh much like a, a fascist state and they're using uh violent means to do so they're straight up just capturing uh the puffy people so that you know they say it so that they'll be safe but of course we realize that they're removing their freedom uh much as a fascist state does to its population and then um, a strong tenet of uh, leftist thought is that fascism can only be defeated through force. You're never going to vote out a fascist. And so Finn and Jake prove this is true by eventually just having to attack the businessmen and blow up the entire fascist machinery, which is this giant Finn. And so uh, only through the use of force are Finn and Jake able to defeat the fascists and restore some manner of, of – uh, balance and freedom to the world. So uh, I really read this episode as basically a progression uh, that eventually gets into late stage capitalism, which is where we are. Uh, you know, uh, we are, the, the proletariat is probably getting sort of uh, superfluous to the, to the country. Um, and then they come back and they're, they're straight up fascists. So uh, that's the progression that that history will that history has shown uh, will happen according to to Marxist or leftist thought, and it's uh, certainly the prediction uh, for a capitalist society that you're either going to do the right thing and become socialists, or you're going to go down that road. You're going to get into wars, and then you're going to have fascism. All right. So I have thought a lot about this episode, and I I want to know what you think. So I think that you're probably right on a lot of counts, that this, it's, it's unmistakable that this is a critique of capitalism in some way. I will pose a question to you. Are Finn and Jake the proletariat in this case? Yeah, are, they, so it's, are, are they the ruling class? Or are they, like, where are they? Because for a while they are, they begin as proletariat. I'll give you that. They're the workers. But then they quickly, they are the, uh, I would call them the, the czars, the kings and queens of this, of this yeah, scenario. Yeah, so Finn, the, the, the role that Finn and Jake play is, is more fluid. It doesn't follow the progression like the businessmen do. You know, the, you know I've got six steps. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. manual labor, management, bourgeoisie, war, which turns you into heroes, the surveillance state, fascism, and then it's defeated through the use of force. Six steps. Um, and the businessmen very clearly make that progression. Finn and Jake Moore serve as uh, you know a foil for the businessmen so that they can take some kind of action to demonstrate what they've become. Um, you know, I, I do think that as Finn and Jake are getting fat and eating ice cream and becoming completely unnecessary to the order that's been established, uh, they are like a disempowered proletariat. Uh, but you're right that, it, you know, I think in that second job where the businessmen have moved up into management, they're they're making the transition into the into being the bourgeoisie. Uh, Finn and Jake do appear to be in charge at that point, uh, but then the bourgeoisie takes over. Fair enough. All right. I don't think that I don't think I have any real uh, rebuttal to your critique to your to your uh, to your understanding of the episode because I think that's exactly what this is. I think it's a comic. Uh, I think it's a comical uh, uh, take on a on a either a critique of capitalism or simply a an excuse to go through all of the um, sort of predictions of a of of, of Marxist thinking. Um, yes. I, I won't go so far as to say that I we know what the creators of the show where their uh, ideologies lie. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm projecting, and I I fully realize that, but that's definitely what I saw in this episode. And so here I think is the best example we've had so far of real profound things being said by this silly kids cartoon. Yeah, I will agree. And and you said we we uh, we've talked a lot about it already, so we probably. Don't want to take up any more. Uh, don't take up a lot more time on it. But um, but yeah, that that's exactly what happened here. This was a this was a heady discussion uh, disguised as uh, as a kids' cartoon. Absolutely. So you know, this is how we usually wrap up the episodes. Where are you with Adventure Time? Ah, uh, so I would say that the Ricardio episode slid me back a little bit. I wasn't a super fan of Ricardio as an episode. I enjoyed seeing. Uh, I enjoyed hearing George Takai's voice for a while, mm-hmm. but um, I like it just because I think that Ricardio is very funny, but um, it's not one of the best episodes. Yeah, um, but then uh, I thought this episode was a big step forward. This, like you said, this was a big step forward towards uh, something I could sink my teeth into a little bit more. So I would say that this was a uh, overall this week was was a significant one for me. Good and and significant in the direction of enjoying the show. Yes, a positive direction, significantly positive. Well, fantastic. So I uh, I'm very happy to hear that. I think it's a uh, good note to wrap up on. Uh, next week we'll be talking about uh, episodes nine and ten, and so uh, we hope you join us then on Podventure Time. Until then, I've been Pat. I've been Ben, and this has been Podventure Time. You gotta flambe. Yeah.